severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome back to Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I'm of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and it is so good to be back doing this again. It's been, a, I think it's been a month since we last put an episode out, so yeah, it's been been a while since I recorded an intro, so I wonder how much more rambling than usual I'm going to do in this one. But we've got another brilliant episode in store for you today, and this week on the podcast, I was joined by the super talented Rachel Causer. And Rachel is actually taking a show to the Fringe next month as well, which is really exciting. She's taking her play. Please feel free to share to the Pleasance, which is a, a really good venue, really exciting. Rachel is a writer and performer. She was a great guest. She had some really interesting insights about being a young creative in the industry, what it takes to get a show ready and to take it to the Fringe, what the day-to-day in life of a writer is like. So it was really good to speak to her. We are going to have, as the Fringe is coming up, as many of our UK-based listeners will know, the Edinburgh Fringe is next month. There's going to be a lot of of guests coming on the podcast over the next few weeks who are taking a show to the fringe in different roles and different capacities so it's going to be a really interesting July really interesting August really excited for the fringe to be back after three years as well as somebody based in Edinburgh so got some brilliant conversations coming up over the next month that I've been recording on my month off so yeah it's a really exciting time to just get a real job I've also got some really exciting news which hopefully I'll be able to drop in next week's episode if not the week after so watch the space because in the next two weeks I've got some amazing news to share and announce and I cannot wait to tell you guys but yeah it's, it's just great to be back as I say and um, yeah I forget how much work this podcast takes but we wouldn't have it any other way me and Elliot adore making this podcast so remember if you enjoy this podcast there's a number of things you can do to help us keep growing you can share it on social media and give us a review on places like Apple Podcasts Spotify we also have a Patreon page and all the money we make goes back into the upkeep of this podcast I'm not sure if anyone's heard but obviously we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis it's just insane but even if you can afford to donate literally a pound a month we appreciate anything we can get as I say all the money goes back into the upkeep of this podcast we're an independent podcast so we just do this for the love of it and as a way to sort of support the local creative community as much as we can but anyway i think that was all for this week's intro if i've got anything i'll just add it on at the end but yeah i hope you enjoy episode 82 just get a real job with writer and performer rachel causer Hi Rachel, thank you for your time tonight. I appreciate it. I know we had we had some slight technical mishaps at the start, but we got it working. It seems so. It's great to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much. And yes, thank you again for your patience for my Zoom mishap. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like podcast listeners in general, over the last two years, are just used to people saying this at the start of podcasts. I'm sure it's very. It's like the new small talk or something for podcasts. But you're you're a writer and performer, and you're bringing your show to the friends this year, which is very exciting. So we've got plenty to talk about today. We normally kick the podcast off by sort of asking our guests about like what their earliest creative memories are so do you remember when you're younger like what sort of stuff you used to get up to were you creative then like you know did you always know you were gonna be a writer and performer I mean yeah 
so <laughs> when you sent this question over, I was I was racking my brain for something quite like artistic and good to say. But I think really my earliest creative memories are probably my most like early obnoxious memories because <laughs> I was just quite like a precocious child who like loved performing and annoying people in general. I used to learn a lot of poems and just perform them. No one asked me to. I just learned them and perform them for my friends and family. I used to do like poetry reading competitions in my spare time. <laughs> and I used to do lots of impressions for my family as well, which is just kind of horrifying to think back. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, type, what type of impressions were you doing? Like? Oh, just things from TV shows that I saw, like all my family's accents. There's quite a range of accents in my family. So I'd like to learn them and sort of, in air quotes, back to them. I don't think they're perfect at all. And sort of do them back. And it just really made them laugh. And then after a while, they used to say, like, every family gathering, just like stand up and do the accent. And I think maybe just that attention probably led me down this path. <laughs> so really, it's their fault. But yeah, I think those are, I just remember always wanting to do it. I don't think there was any other chance of me doing much else but that was really acting I came to writing quite late I think but I trained as an actor before so which is cool and we can sort of talk about very soon but you sort of touched on the accent thing there and another question yeah. we ask is about where people are from and I know you're from Cornwall right you're originally from yeah Cornwall. so I imagine the accent's yeah. there which is a lovely part of the world it's one of the Celtic nations like Scotland as well so we have a you know it's a bit different to England I think it is a bit different and my partner's Welsh so there we go. <laughs> taking three of them off there like, three of, yeah exactly he likes to say that I'm uh Cornish, not English. And so do I really. I mean, I grew up between Cornwall and Reading. And for the sake of this podcast, I'll talk about Cornwall because <laughs> <laughs> Reading is Reading. So <laughs> yeah, I spent most of my childhood in Cornwall before going to secondary school in Reading. And it was great. Cornwall is just, it's my happy place. And it's obviously become very popular, even more popular because of staycations. I mean, normally we just call them vacations, right? But now they're called staycations. And people have really come to appreciate Cornwall. Because I used to say I was from there and people said, oh yeah, I think I went there once as a child. And now quite a lot of people have been there and they have a real appreciation for it as a place. And yeah, I love it. It's a beautiful part of the world. I've only been there once, I think, maybe 10 years ago, but I, it was good. So it was a nice place. And you have your little own yeah. little flag and stuff as well. <laughs> yeah. Good. A little flag. Yeah, the black and white St. Piran's flag. Yeah. But yes, yeah. nice to be part of the Celtic Celtic nation. <laughs> but growing up in Cornwall originally, before like you went to Red and stuff for high school and things, as we call it here, was it a creative place, Cornwall? Do you, do you remember, like, was there a lot going on there? Or do, is it more just like your own sort of personal creative stuff, as you mentioned before? Yeah, it is. It's a super creative place. There's a lot of art colleges in Falmouth, which is near where I'm from and so everyone was always really really arty and there was lots of everything was sort of quite like hipster before it, that was a word <laughs> um I understood I mean it's getting progressively more hipster but it was very sort of like yeah sort of art housey and it felt like people were very laid back and everyone felt sort of creative in some way um, and I think it's just being by the coast and just the, the vibe of the place is is great in terms of theatre there, there are theatres it's obviously not as dynamic and as busy as London but we have some beautiful theatres the Minac which is the one that carved into the coast lots of small theatres lots of support one away you need it but I mean that being said I think there could be more support for Cornwall and Cornish artists we seem quite low on the list when it comes to parts of the country that might need a bit more sort of support to get their voices out there yeah I think um, it's, a, it's a it's a regional thing isn't it I think that happens all the time to like some of the other nations that maybe aren't London or some of the bigger cities it's like a common theme on this podcast with guests is like certain parts of the world or the country I should say particularly but they just don't get the mm -hmm. attention or funding 
or spotlight they maybe deserve or should have yeah yeah I mean I think it's getting better I've seen more and more sort of programs for writers from the sort of they sort of lump us in with Bristol quite a lot (laughs) which is fine (laughs) but it is a very different place but like west and southwest and more and more sort of stories on tv from that sort of neck of the woods which is great I think it's going the right direction because when I was growing up I don't think I remember seeing anything from there to be honest yeah Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And the sort of next question as well is about, I, I love this question, but it's about favourite phrases or favourite words from where you're from. So do you have any like Cornish phrases or words you remember from as a child? I mean, you can, you can have a London or Reading one now if, you, if it's easier. As I know that's where you probably spent a lot more of your time recently. Yeah, I mean, so I was actually also born in London and then I moved very quickly to Cornwall and Reading. So <laughs> I'm technically a Londoner, I actually think, but I mean, I don't. In terms of phrases, again, I don't think Reading has any like <laughs> bashing reading a lot today but yeah fair enough I, reading you know i grew up partly there it's fine it is what it is it's near london but cornish phrases i don't really have any like sayings again i wish i had something really cool to say about like the sea or something but i mean in my head i just cornish like little turns of phrase like everything is handsome which is like handsome but just dropping yeah. the first half of that everyone's middle lover proper job if something's really great it's a proper job it's just little things i mean the cornish accent's actually not not that many people have it it's sort of an accent that's dying out a little bit so when I hear people do it it's amazing and my nan used to have a a very thick Cornish accent so it makes me feel really comfortable yeah no that's great that's great I enjoyed I enjoyed the Cornwall chat but sort of to move forward slightly you're talking about like getting in first getting into theatre and I know you said writing came later and you did like acting and stuff at university but like when you were leaving sort of secondary school in Reading which I've always established but like what sort of I'm just laughing about the Reading stuff it's so funny I bash yeah. my I bash my hometown of Glen office on this podcast all the time it's yeah um <laughs> but we're, you're allowed to if you're from there but like sort of when you were in secondary school at the end of that like were you sort of thinking I want to go off and be an actor at that point or did you just sort of think I want to work in the arts like what was your sort of thought process then yeah I think I, all the way through secondary school I'm, I'm pretty sure I wanted to be in the arts I mean I think I don't know it's sort of like chicken and egg but I, I think I was just better at that stuff like all the way through I was just better at English lit and drama and I and languages I quite like and history I think it's all sort of the same thing but yeah I maths and science weren't super mm. for me I'm not amazingly it's not I'm not really logical minded I'm quite sort of narrative minded yeah to, I totally concur and, and feel you very much in that like I have a theory that it's like for me it's like anything where you don't have to have an this is the answer this isn't the answer like yes or no like black and white I yeah. just can't I can't handle but if it's something where you can sort of maybe it's a bit more ambiguous and you can you can come up with various <laughs> I think that I'm always like yeah but I was better at those subjects so yeah yeah well there's no right answer I like that maybe just because I didn't know the answer <laughs> <to the other. laughs> that's my little theory but, I've got myself but yeah <laughs> Uh, but that, that's interesting. And what were your sort of next steps after uni? Did you think I'm going to go and be an actor then? Was that what your sort of taste would lay or was that what you sort of felt you were good at? Yeah. So after, so I did English and drama at uni and then I really wanted to, so I'd done like, I went to Royal Holloway, which is a really great university actually for English and drama. That's all I sort of know. But there was a really sort of great theatre scene there. They famously have the only no theatre, Japanese no theatre in the country, which is strange because I we never did any Japanese no theatre, <laughs> but it was there and that was a claim for fame. But it was really great. So I was in quite a lot of shows there. And it's, it's kind of the classic thing of like, you go to university to see if you actually really want to be an actor. And by the end I, I did. So I applied for drama school and I didn't get in the first year, but I really wanted to move to London and sort of start being part of things and just to keep sort of learning. So I managed to get some funding to do an MA at Queen Mary university in Myland, and that was in theater and performance which was really cool um it was bonkers 
the year was mad. Like anyone who knows Kumari, they are very like live art led. They're really, really cool. Probably a bit too cool for me. <laughs> so I sort of, I went there and I sort of, it was like a baptism of fire of just, you have to like create something new every week. And it's all just quite weird. Their tastes are really weird. It's all, it's, it's just quite explorative. So every week you had to create like a short piece of live art and it was amazing. And I had to write a dissertation about a piece that I made at the end. And I just yeah, learned to be quite bold and fearless there, which was really cool. And then after that, I, I got into Mount View Academy and I did the MA in acting. There. Yeah. And was it from acting? Because I know that you, you like also perform some of your work as well, don't you? Like some of the work you write, you perform yeah. yourself. Yes. Well, I did at the beginning. I haven't done it for a while, but yeah. So at Mount View, basically at the end of the year, you have to create your own show, which is a really cool part of the course. And I um, I teach on the course now. I'm a freelance tutor as well. And I teach on this module, which is the creative project. And every acting student has to create their own show. And then they write a dissertation about it as well. And that's how they get the MA. So the show I created for that was called Lippy. And it was it's like a, it's like fully lip synced, which is kind of mad to think that mm. I did that now. But I lip synced to like famous comedians that I really liked uh, talking about like body image and sort of being funny and being amazing and th- the whole point I've so you have to write quite a long dissertation about it so the slightly boring backstory to it <laughs> is that I was trying to sort of get out of my head as an actor and I thought that by lip syncing because you can't think you just have to you know you press play and then you have to lip sync along to this track that I would become more in my body and it actually worked I think so then it sort of got picked up a little bit and then we did a little bit of a tour which again was a baptism of fire about producing and starring and writing your own work but I sort of caught the bug for it and yeah I, I've been in a couple of things since then oh that's uh, brilliant yeah I actually had a question about I was going to ask about Lippy because I know you got like best newcomer at Brighton Fringe in 2018 and stuff which is really cool yeah, to yeah. Like, get that and like get that experience so that's cool but you'd preempted it which is great I always love when a guest does I'm like, I don't even have to ask it's good <laughs> yeah yeah so I was one of want to let you say that I got it but I didn't I was one of three finalists for that but actually considering that was my oh I've misread my thing it says shortlist I'm very sorry no don't worry <laughs> I, I had a second there where I was like just let him say that you know just it's fine let's <laughs> pretend I got it <laughs> um, I've got to be honest no so I was shortlisted but at, at the time and still because it was the first thing I'd done that was absolutely incredible yeah, um, and you only got that by getting a five-star review with this particular publication and they nominate you for it so it was incredible and I think of that as a very sort of like spurring on moment so yeah yeah good to bring up it was big point in my career mm. and and was that the sort of first time you sort of as you say got the bug for it you were, you've kind of thought to yourself like I could do this like as a career like I, this is something I'd like to sort of make my life's vacation yeah. yeah yeah I got a little bit of confidence because some of it I was lip syncing but I'd written some of it I was lip syncing to my own voice sometimes it's complicated but um it was quite fun and I really enjoyed performing it but I think off the back of that because I was still sort of I was an actor a couple of years trying to do you know auditions the whole circuit but I think what was incredible about that performance was performing my own work and and I was by myself on stage and really just owning your craft a little bit which was really really cool I mean since then I've sort of moved away from acting a little bit I mean I'd happily do it again if the right thing came along but I think I just gained some confidence for my theatre making and writing ability yeah 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 which is very cool but like I actually on this sort of note and you're talking about being a teacher now as well and doing some tutoring as well but I read on your website about like you're very passionate about teaching people the importance of creating your own work and like yeah. I kind of wondered I mean that's very much an ethos of this podcast and a lot of our listeners mm. will really respond to it but I just wondered if you could maybe quite unpack that for us a little bit yeah sure so yeah this module that is at the end of this act of training is so important and it's basically the reason I'm even 
doing what I'm doing or on this podcast is that module. And every time I, because I've lectured a bit on it and then I've, I've gone back and taught on it. Um, and what I always say is it just gives you confidence, like I said before, but it just gives you like autonomy as an actor in an industry that very much takes that autonomy away from you. Acting is incredible, but you can sort of feel like you're never actually an actor until you someone says yes to you. So like, you know, rehearsing something by yourself in your room doesn't, well, up to me, it didn't really feel like acting. It didn't really feel like progress but it is but just to to counter those feelings having something that you can show for yourself coming out of drama school that you've created it's usually their story or some part of them that they've Mm. written the stage having something to offer that just makes you feel like I made that you know that first moment going out into the acting world you know the competition of looking for an agent the competition of being out there with thousands and thousands and thousands of other grads just knowing that you've made something and having the confidence of, of putting it on is so important and I think I mean one of the shows made it all the way to the Royal Court from Mountview from that module Sarah Hanley's Purple Snowflakes made it all the way to the Royal Court so it's it's I think there's also like an appetite for it like actor theatre makers are quite in demand yeah yeah that's what I tutor I basically just say that a lot um, <laughs> <laughs> it's good thank you for thank you for sharing it's it's also just lovely to yeah. happen on this podcast that are passionate about things as well and get them to share it. that's what that's what it's all about I also sort of wanted to well we'll talk about your fringe in a second obviously because that's like a huge thing that's, that's coming up very soon well, we can just get into it which is please feel free to share which you're taking finally to the Pleasants yeah. after two as you said earlier two years so you must be buzzing to finally get up and get that sort of performed and get and do the show yes yes we absolutely are I mean yeah we got programmed by the Pleasants in 2020 which was an incredible programming I because when I think of the Fringe I think of because I've mostly been to the Pleasants when I've been up there I sort of think about sitting there with a pint after just seeing something amazing there <laughs> um, so to, to be yeah. up there with such a great venue was really cool and I sort of felt like I was on a bit of a roll at that time and then obviously everything sort of yeah completely shut down so it's been a long time coming I've sort of been sat with the play for a long time sort of tweaking it and I think it's probably in a much better place now you know silver lining and mm-hmm. all I think it's in a much better place now than it was then but yeah it's been I'm, I don't know how many other writers you've spoken to about the pandemic so far but it all the time but it's, yeah. it's interesting and the thing is like this podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the pandemic so there, as you say there's lots of lots of silver linings from the pandemic in a way I think November 2020 not because of lockdown by any reason but just that wouldn't have it just yeah. the way life works out but what I would, yeah. was going to ask was sort of as you said this is a common theme is that a lot of people we have on had the momentum as you said maybe 2019 they yeah. started getting a bit of success they had all these plans at like 20 how did yeah. you cope with the momentum being broken by the pandemic that was did you handle that okay or were you able to sort of dig deep and go I'll still be able to make this all happen I just have to be patient because it's not easy for young creatives in particular no it's not I mean I guess I don't I still don't really know how I handled it <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's a very confusing time I've very since much so. like I've since like you have to go I, I had to sort of grieve it a little bit because you can go through it and there was something very so there's a lot of camaraderie when it first got cancelled and everything because everyone was sort of banded together sort of again the the virus yeah. and creators were all like gonna be fine we're gonna support each other and everyone everyone had things cancelled I think what became difficult is as it sort of went on and little bits of like success of other people started to like trickle back and then you you start to actually look back over the last two years and you're like oh just you know what if what if I'd got that what if like things I came really close to doing what if I'd done that where would I be now and you basically well I had to I, I would recommend doing it I really had to think you know that's actually really sad yeah. <laughs> and it's annoying but it is 
what it is. I hate that phrase so much. I can't believe I said that. But I've, I can now say that having grieved it. But actually for a long time, I think I was just pushing it down of like, it's fine. Everyone's behind, you know, mm. it's not a race. But actually you do feel those feelings. And I think you just have to acknowledge yeah. that sucks. <laughs> yeah and I think but it's great that you're coming on a podcast and being honest that you felt those feelings because a lot of people maybe would just be like oh it was all good and you know blah 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 you know yeah. I mean it's good that that because we're all in the same boat and a lot of us had things cancelled in the pandemic and you know and it was a difficult time and it, it as you say it's still weird I don't think any of us have really processed the last two years I think we're all still a bit discombobulated and feeling a bit weird about everything and it probably won't sink in for a couple more years yet what we'd all sort of live yeah. through which yeah, yeah I'm sort of, yeah I think there'll be like a, a collective not just in the arts but ever like a collective mm. sort of PTSD about this but actually you can already see sort of like trickling through tv shows and plays even if they're not obviously about covid you can sort of see like i don't know things about like paranoia and things about missed opportunities and you can just it's in the public consciousness which is actually really fruitful i think as an idea but it's been 100 yeah and and like the multiverse seems to be everywhere at the moment everyone's doing things about the multiverse like what if all this what if stuff what could have happened in an alternative world yeah i feel like that's become very cool so yeah 100 very interesting I i watched everything everywhere all at once last night actually oh really um, I'm very jealous I've been trying to see this all month so I'm hoping me and my partner can go and see that this weekend so fingers crossed but I'm, yeah really good it's really good and I think you're right so I was thinking that while I was watching that last night that actually this is very sort of like pandemic-y like I won't do any spoilers but there's it's basically like a sh- like sliding doors times a million of like all <laughs> the the, the, the sort of paths your life could have taken and like swapping between them and like skills you could have had and basically a big appreciation of where you are you know this could have happened sure but a very very strong appreciation of where you are and I cried I think very much related to what I just said it was really moving to be like no actually you know this is who you are you can't change it there's absolutely no point worrying about it but just acknowledging that like the process of grieving and acknowledging that I think is what that was about and what yeah. I had to do 100% 100% hello it's JB here you may have heard this advert several times before but if not this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash justgetarealjob, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Rachel, it would be great for you if you could sort of tell us as well for the for the listeners, like what the sort of show's about, like what please feel free to share is like what what's the story about, like why should people come see it and stuff. Yeah, sure. So please feel free to share is a one woman show that I wrote back in. Well, I wrote a scratch version in 2019, but I've yet been developing it for a few years. And it's about Alex, who is a social media consultant, and her dad has just died. 
And because of some sort of problematic behaviour, her work has heavily implied that she should go to a grief group and talk about her problems because they sort of notice a pattern of, of running away from things and drinking too much, etc. And when she goes to this grief group, she's asked about her dad, who she doesn't really want to talk about because of kind of a difficult past with her parents growing up in Ireland. So she lies about how he died and then starts getting addicted to lying at support groups. So she's kind of an unlikable character. I say that in air quotes because she is, she's super likable because people are, <laughs> can be really horrible and still be really, really likable. And I think you root for her because she's sort of tapping into this, well, I'm trying to anyway, trying to tap into this sort of modern phenomena of slightly editing yourself, particularly online. But I think the online world of um, slightly editing your life, whether that's to make it better, a little bit better than it seems, or sometimes even to make it a little bit worse than it seems in this case. Um, and there's a phenomenon called sad fishing, which is basically people posting sad things online to get likes, which is kind of a really weird thing. And I'm not totally against that as a concept, um, but what I'm sort of interesting, um, interested in is lies and sort of editing into lies and whether that can become addictive, especially if you've had a troubled past and you've got something to lie about. But it is a dark comedy, that being said, and it is quite funny because it's the situation's funny and I think it taps into something quite sort of truthful about lying, funnily enough. But yeah, it's an hour. <laughs> they all are at the fringe, aren't they? I'm so used yeah. to saying it's short. Don't worry, it's going to be short. <laughs> But at the fringe, everything is short, so it's not really that special. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're on at the Pleasance from the 3rd to the 29th. Of yeah, and, and it'll be linked underneath the podcast when it goes out as well. There'll be like, you know, linked to your show. But that's really interesting, the sort of online thing. We all do that. We all do edit ourselves, even if we don't intend to do it. I think you always find sometimes you're like, why, why am I posting that story today? Like, do it. Am I trying to show people that I'm having a good time or I'm actually enjoying it? Do you know what I mean? You, you, if you yeah. stop and think about these things, sometimes you do catch yourself and you're like, am I self-editing a wee bit? Like, we all do it. So very relevant yeah 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 I mean I do it myself it's you know I like to be careful not to say it's not like a slap on the wrist play about editing yourself because I I absolutely do it myself I just think I'm sort of interested in why we do that the culture that supports that Mm. um because really people are just they do what they see other people doing so you feel like you have to live up to this thing or you feel like you have to gain attention this way when actually it is it is kind of a walk way of thinking but it is something that we all do so I was just interested to take that notion and, and put it into a real life situation and just sort of get to the darkest possible place no it's great and, and what's great about this finally as well the amount of times on this podcast I've guests on and I go and they've got a show on them say London or somewhere far away which I'm not got great easy access to is I'm like I can never see it but when all these guests are coming on for the fringe like including yourself it's like I will I, yeah. I'm in Edinburgh I will be at these shows so I can't wait so I look forward to oh, watching it amazing. myself and I'm, yeah. Nice. yeah exactly be lovely yeah so there you go there'll be lots of the fringe gonna be very exciting and I'm sure people hopefully listening will go and grab some tickets and go and, sit, and go and support the show but I've got some I've actually got some quick fire questions right now which these are always kind of a bit of fun there's no pressure like, you don't need to be like you know too quick but like you know they're sort of meant to be a bit fun so the first question is who sort of inspired you most as a writer slash performer I know you're sort of more of a writer now so you can maybe give two answers for this if it's easier oh yeah that's a good question I mean, writers, it's so many. So this, I'm not going to be quick. I'm not a quick fire Don't person. Don't worry at all. It's all good. And we also have Edit. My wonderful editor will make you sound much okay. more concise anyway, so don't worry. Writers who've inspired me. I think if I sort of reel off, I like to support women. I'll, I'll go for the women just because otherwise it'll be a, a long <laughs> Who I think are quite similar. I think I would like to sort of be like, like Lucy Preble, Alice Birch, Lucy Kirkwood, Moira Buffini. I love her. And actually they've, because um, I've recently sort of moved over to TV and film a little bit, still sort of 
moving but they've all had some really they, they've had some incredible tv stuff and actually because their voice is so strong i think that's why they've been able to move over so easily and i think it's voice that i really really like 100 percent. and yeah. there's always uh, always a bit of humor to all of their stuff mm. as well which i think really helps a play along because sometimes it can get a bit too dark just a little bit you know comedy and tragedy are just like it's a yeah. circle and then yeah, right yeah, at yeah. the top um, they they trudge that line really really well. One hundred percent. And and I know we, I know I've asked you to quick fire around, but like this is the thing with podcasting. What's great about it, you do go off in tangents and stuff. But I just wanted to pick something out really interesting what you said there about voice. Yeah. Because I mean I work, I'm a, I'm a script editor, so I work in telling. Like part of my job is finding new writers, finding you know, reading scripts, etc. And voice is absolutely yeah. what we look for first and foremost in the script. Even if the story is a bit clunky, if there's a voice there, that's that is like so. Just for any writers listening, like voice, I think is the most important thing in the script for me anyway so I just thought it was interesting yeah. that you, you identified voice as, as a common thing yeah and something I've heard because in the sort of move over I've sort of had meetings with production companies and stuff and what I've heard is that they do they like playwrights are sought after and they they weren't so much before but I think there's there's something that is really appreciated now which is that carrying through a voice it's I, I just think it's like like a presence that comes from theatre that translates to tv really really well and i think now because tv is becoming so sort of king almost over film in terms <laughs> it's of just insane there. there's so much of it it's just unreal <laughs> so the amount much. of content just it, it's amazing yeah. it's a golden era but it's it's mad yeah it is mad but it's just become so sort of like filmic and there's mm. a real sort of concentration on character narrative rather than just like serials you just want to like hook people in I, i've noticed that there's a real sort of like patience now with tv which is i, I think a theater feels like a theater vibe which is really cool yeah definitely I, I love how I was like we're going to do quick fire and then I, I like dragged you off into even more of a tender but it's all good that's why people are listening it's long form conversations so the joy of it yeah. the next the next question I have is if you could have written any play from history or film whichever you prefer to answer what sort of what would it's a play that you could have been the one to have written, written it that you really like yeah I could either go like super classic or super modern I think if I went classic, I mean, I'm quite a big cliche, but a black like a Beckett and Pinter fan. And I love Betrayal by Pinter, I think. I just, I love that play. It feels so modern. And it's such a perfect three-hander. And in my head, like, big classic plays are full of people, but actually it's such a small, intimate play. And it's kind of perfect. So I, I wish I'd written that. And then a film. I'm kind of into horror and, okay. like, feminist horror. And have you seen the film Under the Skin? With, yes, uh, it's set in Scotland, actually. It's, Scot- it's a Scottish yes. film, technically. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In Glasgow, yeah. Mm. Love that. Absolutely. It's actually majority a silent film, so I don't really yeah. know what I mean by that. I just wish I'd created it. It's just it's just stunning. I love it. Yeah. That's quick. See? That's there as quick go, as yeah. you probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. We managed to get it. The next one is also I, I, I find this really interesting question to ask, but like what's the best venue you'd ever had the joy of performing a show in or putting a show on in? I mean, I've m- only been at fringe venues, really. Some of the best ones, I, I've had a couple of things on. So Peace or Free was on at a shorts night at um, Theatre 503, which I love. It's sort of, they, they're called the home of new writing. And I've seen m- most of my plays there, not my plays, but most of the plays I've seen there. And it's a really intimate space, but it feels really special because so many writers I admire began there. So it was a personal thing, really. But to, to be on at that venue felt really, really cool. So I think that's probably my favorite um i've had shorts on at the southern playhouse as well which is cool that's the biggest in terms of audience that was cool but i think probably theater for five or three because it felt really special very very cool well the last sort of question of the quick fire is a bit of a double hander so the first one is who, do you have a favorite character that you'd written yourself and the second part of that question is do you have a favorite character that exists in the world like a character on tv or film or a play that you just love Ooh, that's a really good question favorite character i've 
written. I mean, it's going to sound like a plug for the show, but I, it definitely is, Alex, and please feel free to share. Because I think that's at the risk of making myself sound like a pathological liar or psychopath. It is probably the most like me. In terms of um, addressing like parts of myself that I felt quite personal. So she's definitely my favourite, but she's also funny and quick-witted and dry and mean. <laughs> kind of just fun to be able to write all those things and, and fun to watch that play out. And then favourite character? That is a hard question. Yeah, I don't think I can answer that one either. I'm, sorry, I'm very cruel on the other side of it. <laughs> I mean... When I'm surprised, all my answers get quite basic. I really like Breaking Bad. But I mean, I, I think that I've watched it a couple of times and it, I think I like it for, for lots of reasons. But I think he's he is the perfect character that goes from A to B. It is so, His arc is so clear and it's over six seasons, which is kind of remarkable. But to go from who he is at the beginning to who he is at the end and his, his motives have like inverted, which is exactly what you're meant to do with your characters. Um, you know this, you're a script editor. But I think I've never seen it done so clearly. I don't think. Um, no, it's a great, it's it's just a yeah. great example. It's very unusual that a character starts off like that and has such a journey yeah. as an yeah. anti as an anti-hero, like Tony Soprano. I love the Sopranos, but he starts off, he doesn't really change really by the end of the series, really it's still the same as he was at the start. That doesn't mean the Sopranos yeah. isn't great, whereas like Walter White goes on a build, you know, it's insane. I am not in danger, Skylar. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. It's, it's, yeah, I've, I've rewatched it so many times just to sort of track that because it's so perfectly done. He starts one thing and he becomes the opposite, which is mm. very cool. Yeah, no, 100%. That's a good answer. Well, I just have a few more questions to sort of wrap, start to wrap things up because I know we're nearly speaking for yeah. a bit now. This is actually a new question. I've never asked the guest this question before, but the question is basically and the creative industries are difficult to work in, can be a really stressful and sometimes difficult place to work in, no matter what part of it you're in. But how do, what do you sort of do to cope like with the stress and the, and the hard times? Do you have any? Thing you, that you sort of are able to do to help get through it that people could maybe learn from yeah I mean I is it, this is all new stuff because one of the questions you sent was like do you have any tips that's and yeah like, that's coming later don't worry I've, I've, I... yeah, yeah okay so I won't do the tips <laughs> I mean even like methods of coping I'm still very much learning them actually so sometimes I've, I've been asked this question sort of roundabout before and it's like you want to give this very clear answer but actually I think it is just about understanding your process. I sort of touched on it earlier. I think accepting how you feel about things. So like I said, I, I sort of grieved the two years that I lost and the momentum and everything. I think you have to, I have a bit of a thing of like, when I get rejections now, I try to really like wallow dramatically. And I don't like fling myself on the bed and scream, but like just let myself feel those things, whether it's like an hour or half a day or maybe two days of just really feeling that rejection, which sounds counterintuitive. But for a long time, I would only really comprehend success. And when majority is rejection, you actually start to like really like clench up around your own process and you can't appreciate all the things you actually did even though you've been rejected so you, you just put those to another place but actually feeling that okay no I did that application I learned this this and this and again that really sucks so I've been rejected for that and actually just taking each thing as it comes and trying to feel them I think yeah. is yeah it's kind of a mindful thing I don't I'm not really that good at mindfulness but I try to be quite mindful about accepting and yeah wallowing 
dramatically. <laughs> I, I, that, that was a brilliant answer, like, considering I didn't send you that one as well. That, no, that was a really good answer. So thank you for being honest and, and sharing that. And the next one, I promise I did I did send you this question. So hopefully I have had a bit of time. It's about like the essential skills people need to work in this industry. So like, do you, is there like yeah. three skills that you think you might need to be a performer slash writer in, in this industry? Yeah, I think you need to be a good listener and observant. It's sort of this, the same one because it feels like an industry where you need to be able to talk a lot, but actually... It's, it's being able to listen and then process and then mm. it back. Then I think, I just think being a genuinely nice human being goes a long way. Yeah. <laughs> not not enough like, of them, you know, there's not enough of them in this industry sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. People who are kind with their energy and their time, it doesn't mean they're like a pushover because, you know, people can take the piss a bit with kind people sometimes in terms of like unpaid work and, you know, doing it for the exposure. But I think if you're kind, realistic and open with people, it goes a really long way in this industry because it can be so, so many sort of gatekeepers and sort of offering feedback where you can when it's asked for and just taking that time and yeah, paying it forward a little bit with feedback and support. And then third one is patience. It's patience, which is, I bet lots of people have said that one, but it's true. And this is, I'm still learning that one because it can, you can feel like you're in a race. You can feel like everyone else is doing stuff, but you, but these are crafts and they take time and they are experience led. Create yourself as experience led. So you have to give yourself time to experience things um yeah 100 and that sort of ties back into what you were saying earlier about the pandemic and feeling like it was in a race and like having to be patient but i mean it's a very good skill and i mean all, all three skills you said are probably applicable to other parts of life outside the arts as well to be honest i think they yeah. all yeah just but it's a very good right. very good advice just get a real but of course the, the name of the podcast is just get a real job we'd all had to work jobs in our time that we hated maybe didn't like but what's the worst real job slash part-time job you never had to work that you maybe hated or was kind of a funny time in your life yeah I mean I've had a few I'll go for the one that I was maybe least equipped for because it looking back it was funny at the time it was quite painful so I I worked for a, a kids like youth drama school but for really young kids so they were from anywhere from like four to seven and you had to teach them songs and dances and they did like a musical at the end of each term um so it was a lot of content to learn the majority of which was dancing and I can't dance at all and I would be learning these dances and I just panic about every lesson like you know can this <laughs> looking in the kids eyes like can they see that I don't know this and that I am less good at this dance than them and they kind of can like kids can smell fear a little bit and if you're not totally confident like they will just run riot and they did (laughs) like and these are dramatic kids as well so they are loud and opinionated and they definitely told you how they felt the kids were sweet I work with adults now you know take from that what you will (laughs) but uh yeah served a purpose but I'm I don't think I'm someone who should work with very young kids or dance ever (laughs) <laughs> fair enough fair enough sometimes it's good to know yourself but it's good to know your, your limitations your strengths etc yeah <laughs> i also should never dance either so it's fine i just know only on nights out or under the influence of alcohol i think that's only acceptable time and i wasn't allowed to do that with the kids so. <laughs> yeah of course of course well, i've only got one more question left for you rachel but before that i just wanted to thank you for your time thank you for being patient with the zoom issues as well much appreciated i, I yeah, look forward to seeing you to seeing your show at the fringe it'll be great and uh, I'll, I'll definitely say hello to you at the time as well right. but actually as well before I forget I wanted to mention this in the podcast because I know obviously working TV it's a big deal but you were sort of in the top 12% for the BBC Writers Room which is on its own an incredible achievement to get that high in the process so I just wanted to say like well done and I quickly ask you about that so I actually technically have two questions left I've jumped the gun yeah <laughs> 
nice of you to say. Yeah, it's um, I got to the top 12 with a, a new play, which is why it's so sort of exciting for me because I sort of sent Peace or Free around. So I've actually, I so Peace or Free got to the top 4% in 2020. So it's not the furthest I've been. So I actually debated, so obviously saw that on Twitter. I actually debated whether I should even post that because immediately you start to think, well, that's not that good, you know, and people got further. And why am I posting about that? But I sort of made myself do that because like I said, accepting that, okay, it's a rejection, but Mm. you've got to appreciate what it is. And for me, sort of posting on Twitter, which is kind of like a workplace for me, sort of just acknowledging that actually I'm still submitting, I'm still trying and actually I can appreciate that this is great. And it's really nice you brought it up. So yeah, Yeah. thanks. But I think getting to the top 20 in that thing, it's not easy. It's very, it's it's like the, one of the hardest ones to get in. So no, I think it's great. And I think what you said is really valuable for you to hear, but you don't, I mean, you shared lots of nice insights and advice so far, but the last question is just, we would like to close on our guests, like just sort of recap and what their advice would be to anyone that maybe wanted to get into the sort of job and the industry that they're in. So what would you sort of say to anyone that maybe wants to be a writer or a performer, et cetera? I would say that take risks. Um, I'm going to go um, a bit off script. I'm not going to disagree with that. Because I think to get into the industry is different for people who are already in the industry. So to get in, I think take risks with your writing. Try to, and your performing, because it's really all about risk-taking and truth and, and being comfortable with yourself. Take some risks. Be nice to people. Find a group of people who you trust in the industry, whether it's friends or colleagues or people you can send your work to, people you can who will do self-tapes with you. They're hard to come by, and most people sort of meet those people are, are sort of out in the industry or at drama schools or at uni. And it can be, you know, in the darker times, like a lifeline. And then people who are already in the industry, and this is one that I'm trying to work on myself, but I think a really key thing is having, doing things you love that are nothing to do with the industry. Yeah. Because like, yeah, for me, I, for a long time and still sometimes, it, you, your social life is writing in theatre and your work life is writing in theatre and all you think about is this. And because it's so personality-led and personality-driven, you can just feel like that's all you are. So then when these rejections come in and even if you feel them and you wallow and blah, 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 you're like, but it's me, you know, they're rejecting me. But actually the more hobbies, go for a walk, you know, I've got two dogs, I love playing with them. Just things that you just, you can do that are nothing to do with the industry will help you so much with your creative work because you will have given your brain a break. Yeah, um, 100%. No, I think that's I think that's a, a brilliant bit of advice, and I think as creatives, we often like don't detach our self worth from our identity as a creative, and it's trying to divide yeah. them both, and it is really hard. And the amount of people that listen to this podcast to get in touch and say, "I can't believe somebody's just saying that," it just made me realise that. So I generally just think those sort of conversations people just make people realise because we just it's yeah. something you don't always think about. So I think it's great to be raised. But Rachel, thank you very much for your time, and I look forward to seeing your show, and I will definitely come and say hello when I come to see it. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. It's been a pleasure for me too. I'm looking forward to meeting you. So there we go, that was episode 82 of Just Get A Real Job with the brilliant Rachel Causer. I hope you enjoyed what she had to say. Thank you again to Rachel for her time. I've really, really enjoyed that one. Remember, if you're in Edinburgh for the Fringe next month to look out her show, please feel free to share. There's links to that in the show notes. She spoke about it, obviously, in this week's episode. So I'm sure if you'd been listening, you'll be dying to see that. I will certainly be going along and I look forward to it. Remember, as always, as well, we are an independent podcast. So if you have enjoyed today's episode with Rachel, this is your first time listening. Be sure to dive back into our back catalogue and check out some of our brilliant conversations. We've had, you know, 81 other episodes out. So there's lots of fascinating chats. Remember, as well, to like, share, support us on social media. You can leave reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify as well. That's a really good way of helping us be seen. But up 
the algorithm, to be honest, is working against small creatives like myself. You know, it's really hard to get any traction on Instagram anymore or, or on the podcast app. So, you know, word of mouth really is the best tool to keep growing. We also have a Patreon page as well, and all the money we make goes back into the upkeep of this podcast. As you've probably heard me say several times in this episode already, so I'll stop going on about it. But thank you for everyone for listening. It's great to be back doing this again. Really excited for some of the episodes we've got coming up in July, and I hope you have a lovely week. Just get a real job